like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. I'm rich in music, so rich that it's really hard to keep up with all of the folks I'd like to track down and talk to, and sometimes I lose track of them for a while. One such singer-songwriter is Charlie Parr. He was on my list four years ago. I made and failed at my first attempt to get him on our show, but he kept dropping by Eau Claire, most recently, I think, at one of last summer's Tuesday night concerts sponsored by the Chippewa Valley Blues Society. And this June, he's scheduled to come back to the area on the stage at the Blue Ox Festival. Charlie Parr is a musical touring dynamo, getting close to 300 performances per year, and he's always in demand for even more. Before I get Charlie on the line, I want to remind all of you listeners, wherever you are, that I'd love it if you connected me up with your local talent as potential guests for Song of the Soul. We want these Northern Spirit Radio programs to be locally relevant to all of the 33 stations broadcasting our shows. So I want you, yes, and that means you, to contact me via the northernspiritradio.org website so that I can share your local bounty across the country and the world. I'm looking at you in Garberville, California, Lowell, Massachusetts, Ames, Iowa, Taos, New Mexico, and Fayetteville, Arkansas, amongst others. Go to northernspiritradio.org and let me know of folks from your town who have musical treasures to share. But today, our treasured performer is Charlie Parr, squeezing in a visit with us just before he flies off to Europe. Charlie joins us by phone from Duluth, Minnesota. Hey, Charlie, great big welcome to Song of the Soul. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Of course, you're up in Duluth, but you're not long for the North Country. You're going to a different North Country, going over to Europe for something like five weeks. How do you set up something like that? Well, I've been heading over there every couple of years since about 2001 or two, and uh, made a lot of good connections over there and a lot of nice folks who have been willing to help me through um, small record labels and independent promoters. I've just been really lucky and developed a nice network of folks who helped me out. I was looking on your website, and folks, that's charlieparr.com. If you have trouble spelling any of that, come by org. I was looking at the schedule, where you're going, Germany, Netherlands, Ireland, UK, Switzerland, Denmark, Norway, Sweden, France, Luxembourg. Do you speak different languages there, or do you just keep going in English? How does that work out? 
Well, I'm afraid I don't speak any different languages. I wish I did. I just have to have a little extra time to go slow and understand where I'm at and, you know, what it is that I need. Normally, since I've set stuff up through local promoters, there's going to be someone around who has some English in their pocket they can help me out with. And as long as I leave myself a little extra time and I'm patient with myself, I get by all right. Just so you know, in case you ever need someone to accompany you in France, I'm fluent in French, and I could act as a tour guide, help you get around there pretty well. (laughs) No problem. And after all, I do live in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and you're up in Duluth, Minnesota. You don't really speak with much of a Minnesotan accent, but you're a lifelong Minnesotan? Yeah, I was raised in uh, Austin, Minnesota, which is at the southern part of the state where the uh, accent isn't quite as thick, I guess. I left Austin in the 80s, and I moved to the Twin Cities for quite a bit. I was there until about 99 when I moved up to Duluth, and I've been here ever since. And for those people who are across the country listening, the cities refers to Minneapolis and St. Paul, the Twin Cities. We just call them the cities in this region. Okay, so you've been up in Duluth, and why did you go further north? Was it climate change driving you north, or what? No, Emily, my wife at the time, we spent a lot of time up here vacationing, I guess. And when it came time that we decided we wanted to buy a house or have kids, we couldn't really afford to stay in the cities anymore. And so uh, she found a teaching work up here and, and we moved and I found a, a really, really receptive and supportive musical community up here and, and made a lot of good friends and felt at home right away. So we haven't really looked back. There is something pretty special about the Duluth community. and My wife, who is Iowa-born, said that if she had to move somewhere, that's where she'd move. It's just something about both Lake Superior and the North Woods that calls to her. Canoeing is a big thing for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Let's get started with some of your music. You've got a whole lot to choose from. You've been making music for 42 years, and since you're only 50, that means that you started as eight. So did you go on stage back when you were eight, or how did you start making music back then? Well, I started trying to play when I was eight. I was raised in a household with parents that loved music, but they didn't play an instrument. Music played in our house all the time from the record player. I first remember hearing it for the first time when I was six, maybe. It was always playing, but I hadn't listened to it prior to that. I forgot exactly what my dad was playing. He used to just grab a stack of records and put them on the big Magnavox console record player where you 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 took like five or six LPs and stacked them up on top of one another and put them on the turntable, and they would just like play through with the automatic turntable. And one of those records caught my attention, and I, I wanted him to play it again. And, and then when I got to be almost eight, he bought me a, a guitar, and I just started trying to learn how to play. I didn't intend to be a performer. That didn't cross my mind until I was in my 20s. I just wanted to play. I wanted to learn how to play the kind of guitar that, you know, the records that he had which was a weird combination of real old country-western folk song records and blues records. And I, I was getting to hear people like Jimmy Rogers and the Carter family, and I was getting to hear Woody Guthrie and Lead Belly, and, and he had one Mans Lipscomb record that was my kind of favorite one, and one Lightning Hopkins record. He didn't even know where he got that one from, and I listened to that to death. I still do, and tried to play those sounds when I was a kid. And I've been interested in it ever since then. 
I love performing. It's been an important part of my life, but it wasn't something I really thought too much about until I was older. Well, why don't you give us an example of the kind of music you're talking about, the music that is associated with Charlie Park? What do you want to start with? Mastodon is a song that I wrote from a record called When the Devil Goes Blind. So I guess this is an old one. Mastodons haven't been around for some thousands of years, but you're not that old. So what's Mastodon fit into your whole life journey? That song kind of came about from a pretty lonely place for me personally. And the image of Mastodons freezing to death in the snow, trying to get to somewhere and being unearthed centuries later appealed to that melodramatic part of me that felt cold and lonely at the time and the song kind of grew out of that it is mastodon by charlie parr from his recording when the devil goes blind here's mastodon This time gonna stay I don't feel welcome around here, boys I don't feel at home This old world has brought me low Made me live all alone found his way home Separates the rich and poor I don't feel welcome around here, boys I don't feel at home This old world has brought me low And made me live all alone Someday I will be found Well, I don't feel welcome around here, boys I don't feel at home This whole world has brought me low And made me live all alone
guest here today for Song of the Soul is Charlie Parr, and that's his song, Mastodon. You were starting right out there, clearly, with family, and you kept mentioning when you were talking about where your music comes from, it's about your dad's records that you were playing. And yet that song, he says, you know, my daddy left home at 14 years, and he left again when you're 25. Did he take his records with him, or what did you lose in those absences? Well, my dad was born in 1922. He was born in a large family with 16 births, two twins, 18 children, and they were tenant farmers in northern Iowa. And by the time he was in his early teens, you know, the depression was going on. It was bad times. He ran away and spent a large chunk of his life kind of living on the road and doing that kind of thing. You know, he told me stories about it much later. So that's the first line of the song that he had left home when he was 14. The next line, about 25, is how old I was when my dad died. That was the second time you left him there. So now I have his records. Wow, you've got them. How many are they? I mean, his and yours, I suppose. Uh, his and mine. They're not many. My record collection is small but mighty. And most of the records that I inherited from my dad don't have jackets. I was a slash and burn child, you know. The things that I got a hold of to play with were usually disassembled and uh, destroyed. <laughs> Uh, and the records, you know, I was really, I played records constantly. The covers, when I was really little, didn't interest me at all, but the blank spaces inside of them, like the white sleeves the records came in, and if you split the seams of the covers, you had these large blank spaces of cardboard that I could draw pictures of dinosaurs on. <laughs> so most of the and mastodons and mastodons too. <laughs> and yeah, oh yeah, most of the records please were taken for that purpose, and so I've got just records. But the music is still there, and that's what counts. My mom died when I was nine, and my dad was alcoholic, and so I felt to a certain degree he wasn't around, even though he was a, he never left home per se. Yeah, dad died when he was seventy-two, and I was twenty-five. Yeah, well, that's. With, did you say 18 kids? Yeah, it was a big farm family. <laughs> <laughs> I come from a family of 12, so I kind of yeah. relate, you know. I have cousins that I've never met. When my dad was born, I think his oldest brother had already been killed in World War One. so they weren't obviously all around at the same time. My dad was 45 when I was born, so I didn't have the opportunity to like meet a lot of these folks, and they were some were quite old when I was young. Wow, big families are quite an adventure, and sometimes they're almost mythic. They're so big, they're, they're not part of our firsthand experience a lot of times. But let's go on to some more of your music, and what else do you want to share for Song of the Soul? Uh, how about uh, Last Day, a song from the same record, When the Devil Goes Blind. Okay, and tell us a little bit about it. It's a simple song. It's just about the day my dad died, actually, which was uh, not unexpected, but you know, you cannot prepare yourself for that. And lost him too soon, and that's just basically all it is, a little meditation on that day. And it involves Easter morning. Is that the actual day he died, or is that when you brought him home from the hospital? That was the same day. He died the evening of the day we brought him home from the hospital. Charlie Parr sharing from his Song of the Soul today. Here is Last Day.
on Easter morning Christ that arose from the dead And he woke up with the dawn Got ourselves dressed We want to take him home Charlie for sharing that last day, which is about the day that Charlie Parr's father died when he brought him home from the hospital. I also, I'd say I had the privilege or something of being there. My dad died when he was only 67, emphysema, and he decided to come home from the hospital to die, just get rid of the oxygen and let himself go. And it took a few days, but I was able to write a song for him just the morning that he died, or just before he died, he died almost 24 hours later. But I was able to drive down towards Milwaukee and sing it to him. It was one of the last conscious things he had. How did you spend your last hours with your dad? We just sat together. You know, the whole family just kind of sat there talking and telling stories and telling jokes. And, you know, he had asked to be taken home from the hospital that morning the same way he had lung cancer. And and we had a quiet day. Towards evening, he laid down with my mother, and, and that was it. Well, thank you for sharing that. The fact that it corresponds with Easter morning, did that mean something to you, that it happened around Easter? 
Not particularly. It meant something to me after the fact. You know, we weren't doing anything for Easter anyway. We don't really have a specific Easter tradition in our family. We would just kind of all get together and uh, visit for those holidays. It turns out to have something now. That's my association now. When you say that folks were there, Easter being a holiday means that more likely people are not going to be scheduled to work, or at least it used to be that way. I don't know that's quite as true these days because every day is a sale day in the United States. But did that mean that all of the kids were there and, I don't know, grandkids? This might be a pretty big crowd. Oh, no, no, not like that. By then, my dad's family had kind of dwindled. My, my dad's sister was there. My aunt and uncle on my mother's side, my own sister, I have one sister. And that was kind of it. It was not a, not a large group of people. I want to keep listening to a lot of your song. And since you do have 13 or is it 14 albums, you had to pare this down to a pretty small section. How did you choose the next one? Oh, the next one is called Badger, a record called Barnswallow. And it's hard for me to really enjoy my own music the recordings of it but this particular one i i think i got it as right as i have ever been able to get it it usually gets thrown into the mix when i play sets or when i get asked about my own recordings it is badger by charlie parr It was late in the summer when the corn was fully grown We'd gone for a swim in the pond on my Uncle Henry's farm And when we got home we saw a badger in the yard Running flat out for a hole beneath the shed Disappeared into its den underneath the floor And it was gone and Dad just said, God damn Badger can't stay, he'll kill you just like that Mean as any grizzly, sneaky as any cat And he went and got his gun in the closet in the hall And he pulled a six-pack from the fridge And he walked out and out the door Well, Mom made us brush our teeth and get ourselves to bed It's late and he'll be a while, was all that she would say And I saw him in the twilight with his 410 across his lap Sitting in a lawn chair, staring at the shed Fallen soldier from the six-pack laying at his feet And sometime in the night a gunshot woke me from my sleep It was late in the summer when the corn was fully grown We'd gone for a swim in the pond on my Uncle Henry's farm I feel the bittersweet in that song right in the center of my heart. It's called Badger, charlieparr.com. Parr is P-A-R-R. If you have any question about these spellings, come via nordenspiritradio.org, and I'll have a link to Charlie for his song of the soul. 
You are listening to Song of the Soul, which is Northern Spirit Radio production on the web. That means you find us at northernspiritradio.org. Twelve and a half years of our programs, free listening and download. There's a place to post comments. You get links to our guests. There's a place to click donate. This is full-time work, and it's supported by listener donations as opposed to by government or corporations or other such sources. So please support us when you come. But even more important, please support your local community radio station. Charlie Parr lives up by Duluth, Minnesota, and they've got some fine stations up there. Uh, One of the stations that carries our programs is right up in Two Harbors, a bit north of Duluth. And there's wonderful community radio stations all across the United States carrying news and music that you just don't get otherwise. There's a very small window into other stations, but community radio really brings you the voice of the people. So please start by supporting them. Again, Charlie Parr is here today, and we just listened to his song, Badger. I'm not too jealous, Charlie, that you wrote that one, because I'm a Wisconsinite, and our mascot or our state animal is the badger, but evidently they have them over in Minnesota, too. I never saw one. We had one in the yard, according to my dad, and uh, he took care of it because he was afraid it was going to hurt somebody. My neighborhood growing up was just a street full of packing house workers and their kids, and we all played in every corner of the street, so all the animals were carefully uh, inspected for their safety and viability. <laughs> this badger evidently didn't make the cut, so he was uh, dispatched. Did you have a dog or other pets growing up? Always. Every waking moment, there was at least a dog. Before I was born, my sister kept a pet chicken in the house. (laughs) In the house? (laughs) In the house. Evidently, it was very spoiled. I never got to meet the chicken. It was gone before I was born. But evidently, it was a very spoiled chicken who would sit on my dad's lap when he was sitting in the morning having his coffee. Let's share some more of your wonderful music. And again, folks, we've got a lot to choose from. Charlie Parr has got such a wealth of music. He spreads it so liberally. What do you want to share now? Uh, Remember Me If I Forget is a song from the next record that came out after that. It was called Stump Jumper. We'll go right into it. Remember Me If I Forget. Yeah. 
here today for Song of the Soul. Remember Me If I Forget is a song, a stump dumper. That's not a word I've heard before. Where does stump dumper come from? There's a bunch of different places where that comes from. Not all of them are nice either, but when I was a kid, the older kids on the street, when they got their driver's licenses and whatnot, they used to take these old pickup trucks and Broncos and, and they'd go racing through the fields with them. They had a club they called the Stump Jumpers. And uh, they had stickers made that they would put on these vehicles. and They all looked like something out of Mad Max, but it was kind of fun to go down a field road and watch them tear around. So that's where my, my record title comes from. Remember me if I forget. Is this also social critique of how our society does or doesn't work anymore? I mean, it used to be people lived with their families until they died and frequently dying at home. And now so often people get sent off to rest homes, to nursing homes, whatever it is. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair way to look at it. The song was written in my head anyway. It was probably not even written by me. It was gathered around my aunt's bedside on my mother's side and my mother and her sister were sitting with my aunt uh, holding her hand and singing her songs and reminiscing with her before she died and I was sitting at the end of the room with my cousins uh, listening and remembering later things they had said and most of the song is just snippets of their conversation that I kind of wove together into the song. So, you know, the ideas about how it wasn't uh, like this, like you said, when we were, when they were young, you know, they'd bring their, their folks, they call them the family members into their homes and take care of them as they got older and help them to die. It's not like that now. And there were a lot of comments about that. And then they'd sing a song and then they'd talk some more. And so the song is basically just a mashup of my aunts and my mother talking my aunt home. When I read the title and knowing about how much you tour, I thought maybe it might be applicable there too. Remember me if I forget. You tour a lot, and I can hardly imagine the stamina and the presence of mind it takes to tour. You do how many tour dates per year? 
Uh, well, the last couple of years, I've been somewhere between 270 and 275 show dates a year. It's like rowing a boat with a hole in it. You know, if you stop rowing, the boat starts to sink and you have to bail, so you might as well get back on the road again. And how can you physically do that? How can you mentally do that? I really do think it would be hard to remember who you're talking to after your first three weeks of going somewhere. Yeah, there's no point in trying to remember who you're talking to. When I first started doing this, you know, I, I haven't had a job in about 17 years, so I've basically been touring this way for that long. And, you know, when I first started out, I guess I thought it was one thing that it wasn't, and I could sleep in beds, I could drink liquor and eat garbage, and, you know, it was going to be fun, and I was younger, and I really quickly found out that that's not the way to do it. <laughs> and now I'm careful about my time, I'm frugal. You know, I sleep in a van, I wake up in the mornings and figure out where I'm at, you know, because it was dark when I stopped and figure out where I'm at and where I need to go and what time I need to get there and, you know, what kind of food I can eat that day that will help me to stay alert and healthy and how many cups of coffee is too many cups of coffee. Think about music and listen to a lot of music and it all comes together. You know, I'm grateful for being able to do it. It's worked out okay and now it's as comfortable for me to do that as it is to be at home and wash dishes and shovel snow. Well, I was kind of wondering how much home you actually have. It feels a little bit like you're a wanderer of the earth. Living in a van, is that how you normally stay? You don't stay in people's homes or hotels or whatever? Not really. I mean, you know, occasionally there's an opportunity to stay somewhere. Um, hotels are expensive, so I tend not to go near them. And I'm pretty particular on a road. I'm kind of monkish. And so and I'm always grateful for someone offering me a place to stay. But if I've got a six to ten hour drive the next day, it's more likely that I'm going to be interested in getting a head start on that drive than staying with someone where you might have to stay up and visit, which is great. And I don't mean to sound ungrateful, but I'm usually thinking more towards what I have to do the next day to make sure that I'm on time. Getting to perform music is a sacred thing for me, and I don't want to be late, and I don't want to take any of this uh, for granted. I try to be alert and mindful about what I'm doing. You just said performing music is sacred for you, and that makes sense to me. I mean, I think your fingers prey constantly on the guitar. Do you have a spiritual overview, religious history, something that is where that musical center of your life comes from? Not anything in particular. I mean, music has always felt that way to me. As far as I can remember, being able to appreciate it, you know, like I said, I first became aware of it at a certain point, and then that awareness deepened into a, you know, active listening. It was a lot deeper than I really understood, and I still feel that way. The whole music is a thing in itself. It's a sacred thing that I think it's a lot deeper than people sometimes give it credit for. It's not part of another discipline. It's not part of mathematics. Or it's not part of anything else. I think it's a it's something that existed prior to that. You can put math on it. You can place theory over it, but you're not doing anything to it. It's a weird thing, and I think it is sacred. And, you know, listening and appreciating and performing and playing or just absorbing, I think, is all extremely important. Well, I'd like to absorb some more of your music right now. Let's play a little bit more. What do you like to share next, Charlie? Well, the new record is called Dog, and the first track on it is called Hobo, the one that I'd like to play.
Sounds kind of like you, you describing how much your peregrinations <laughs> wander around. But I don't think it, it was inspired originally by your life. Actually, Hobo is the one song that is more autobiographical than I think any other song I've ever written. Charlie Fingers, get going again. Let's listen to Hobo from his new release, Dog. Tell me where I'm going 
ain't somebody gonna spend a blank minute on me and pray for an old hobo who's gone wrong. Charlie Parr's latest CD is called Dog, and that one's from it. It's called Hobo. It's autobiographically, as you said, Charlie, because you do travel so much, and I guess you have that in common with your father. You start out by saying, I want my son to have this when I'm dead. It's a book. Is this the book of your life, or is this uh, a physical book? Do you carry a book with you when you do this traveling? No, it's more metaphor. I think the thing that I took from my dad and his example is lessons around mindfulness and just trying to stay aware of you know myself and my surroundings and and the people that are around me and how I'm impacting them and how they're impacting me and just trying to take some kind of responsibility for myself. And sometimes that feels like a book that's being kind of written and rewritten and left behind or neglected and then, you know, taken up again. You know, Dad was a person of very few words, and I learned a lot from the way he was as opposed to what he said which I think is a lesson in itself. You know, Wittgenstein said, you, you can't tell people you're religious. That doesn't make any sense. You can display it to them, and the way you live your life will say a lot more about your religiosity than your words ever will. I mean, I think that's the way my dad was, even though he wouldn't have put it that way. And I think when I think about what I hope that my son takes away from our relationship, I hope that he can see in the way I live my life what I was about rather than anything I might have said. Yeah. And a central part of the message you'd want to pass on to him would be what? What do you want to say to him? Being mindful, I think, is the overarching method of trying to find a meaningful life and trying to pay attention to those things every day, trying to stick with your own little program every day and not take things for granted or forget where you are. I think those things are important, you know, and I think those are the things that turn into the blueprint or the framework of people finding their way. Is you've got the structure, all you need to do is kind of plug in the specifics. Do you have disciplines in your own life that keep you to that? I was thinking that, you know, sleeping in your van is a discipline to keep you from fragmenting too much. My wife and I, before we eat, we typically take a couple turns and we say something we're thankful for. I go weekly to Quaker meeting where we sit in silence for an hour, be present, sink down to the deep. Those are disciplines I have in my life. What do you consider the disciplines in your life that get you to the deep? Well, I try to pay attention to the smallest things about life. Those are the things that are usually the most meaningful to me. I've had, for most of my life, clinical depression coupled with kind of a nasty anxiety disorder that means that when I'm paying attention to things that are either out of my power to control or are too big for me to kind of get my head around, I will not do so well. When I'm paying more attention to like breaking big things into little things and paying attention to the little things, I tend to do a lot better. Most of my practices are around that, you know, like I'm going to get up in the morning, I'm going to make coffee. It might take me a minute because I'm just, I go really slow. When I'm on tour, you know, I'm careful about following the speed limit or I'm that infuriating person that you pass on the freeway because I'm... Because <laughs> you're obeying the law? I'm going three miles an hour under the speed limit trying to pay attention. 
I listen to music on the road. I don't listen to a lot of news. And then I have quiet times where I don't listen to anything. I do that over and over again. And then I kind of appreciate the fact that I got to do something over and over again and think about that. I think about a lot of those kinds of things. It's every day is, uh, is something that I'm, I'm grateful to be able to do all those things again in the next day for. I can see where that would be really a way to enrich your life. <laughs> a lot of people don't show up for their life, and it sounds like you really do. I need to ask you one more thing before we have one more song, and that is about your guitar. I've seen lots of pictures of your guitar, and it doesn't look like a normal guitar. It looks different, and I'm not sufficiently versed to know what that's called. Tell me about it. I play two different styles of guitar. I don't really play a regular six-string guitar. I play a wooden 12-string, which probably looks like something you've seen a lot, which I love dearly. And then I play a resonator guitar, which it's the same shape as a guitar. It's made out of metal. Mine happens to be made out of stainless steel. Inside the body, there are three very thinly spun aluminum cones. And the three cones are attached by a bridge that looks like a T. And then the long leg of the T is the bridge that the strings are suspended over. So when the strings vibrate, they vibrate that T. And the T vibrates each of these metal cones. So it's a mechanical speaker. And that amplifies the sound. The design was invented in 1927 as a way to get guitars louder than the horn section in jazz band. Oh, okay. Of course, electric guitars came along and kind of put the kibosh on that, but uh, in the 30s, the guitars became really popular with Hawaiian slack-key guitar players because you can play them with a bottleneck or a slide, and they have a lot of sustain, and they have a really interesting set of tonal characteristics that you can't find in any other instrument. Certain street singers and blues guitarists also got really attracted to them, Tommy McClellan and Sun House and Booker White, which is where I first saw one when I was a teenager. I was at the library and they had uh, the father of the folk blues record by Sun House, and the picture on the cover is him posing with a national resonator guitar. And I wanted to get my hands on one so bad I didn't know what to do. When I finally found one, I sold the two instruments I did have and borrowed money from my dad to buy it, and I've always had one since then. So most of my shows are divided up pretty evenly between resonator guitar and 12-string, but I don't have a, like a regular guitar in the house. I'm glad I got a chance to be educated about that. I had seen it and just not had a clear sense about it with the slack key and of Hawaiian nature and all that. It all makes sense to me now. So let's finish with one more song for Charlie Parr. How can we finish this off? It's called Dog from the album of the same title. Could you tell me a little bit about it? Because we're just going to play it out to finish off the hour. So what is Dog about? Sure. Well, Dog is a confusing song for me in, in a lot of ways. It came out of nowhere. I was in Reno, Nevada. A friend of mine called from Minnesota and I had stayed at her house a few times when I was passing through, uh, you know, near the cities. And she had this old dog that stayed around her house, too. And I had made friends with her. And she called me to tell me that the dog had passed away. And I was uh, sad about that and thinking about that dog and thinking about my dog. And I just had a, I had a night off, and it was really hard and depressing. I didn't feel well. Um, I didn't want to stay in Reno very much. I wanted to get back on the road, but I had a show. And sometimes days off are just really hard because you're not anywhere that you recognize and you don't have to go anywhere, but you don't want to stay particularly. 
So I had a, a day of uh, kind of dealing with some depression problems and thought I might as well try to write or play or do something and Dog showed up as a song in that instance and I'm not really sure. I still don't quite know what it's about. I mean, it's kind of about dogs, I guess. And in another way, it feels like it's kind of about me and dealing with those kinds of depression problems that I've had. Charlie, I really appreciate you taking this time to be with me. I know how precious your time is, given that you're taking off for Europe for five weeks there just very shortly. I know there's a whole lot of your life you need to tune up, and so the fact that you gave us an hour of your time is a really big gift. Thank you for doing that. It's an honor. It's a pleasure. I'm glad to be able to talk to you today. Thank you. And again, folks, we've been speaking with Charlie Parr of Duluth, Minnesota, although you'll find him everywhere on the road. His website is charlieparr.com. Charlie is L-I-E at the end, and Parr has two R's at the end. The link, in any case, is on nordenspiritradio.org. And here is Charlie Parr's last song for today's Song of the Soul. It's called Dog, and we'll see you all next week for Song of the Soul.
the kitchen door Just to watch it rain and listen to it pour A soul is a soul is a soul is a soul Rain down the water that created us both My old man's soul in his old dog's coat A soul is a soul is a soul is a soul a soul is a soul is a soul is a soul. A soul is a soul is a soul is a soul. Charlie Parr was our guest today, and that was his last song, Dog. He'll be in my area, the Chippewa Valley, Wisconsin, for the Blue Ox Festival on June 16th. But you can find him all over the country by checking his schedule on charlieparr.com. Thanks to Charlie for joining us, and great thanks also to Catherine Thomas for production assistance on today's program. See you next week. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, Northern Spirit Radio. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy, let in the light, it will heal you. And you can feel you and sing out a song.